This is how I win. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. No. No, you. You complete me. I'm the king of the world! If you don't have a good sense of humor, you're better off dead. 69, dudes! Wait, are you talking about Kevin Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Do I, do I need to remind you how Cop Out went, went down? I was going to say. The action was good. Yeah, but Bruce Willis. <laughs> Sorry he like, had an actor that just didn't want to fucking deal with him. Tom Cruise is probably just as crazy. Yeah, but I think, I th- dude, he's worked with Johnny Depp. I think but this he can is handle also Tom still, Cruise. no matter the director on set, this is still Tom Cruise's show. Be like telling Vin Diesel, he can't have what he wants. Hey Chase, this is this is our show now. So damn. <laughs> All right, you don't have to leave this in then. Like. No, I'm gonna because it's hilarious. <laughs> I guess we'll just jump right in because we're not doing trailers, so it'll be the theme music. Okay. I mean, I saw the Haunting in Venice trailer. That shit looks whack. Well, well we're supposed to that. get. Um... We got the holdover trailers, but we're supposed to get um uh, the Exorcist trailer Ooh. for Oppenheimer, which is weird because it's supposed to be the Kree encrypted only. So I don't even know if we'll be able to watch it early. Like we Damn. Flopping yeah. hammer. All right. Anyways, welcome back to the Sin Arrivals podcast, folks, for a very special part two episode of our Mission Impossible conversation with... Blaine Ward of the Real Views podcast and a gentleman who does not listen to this podcast, Chase. Uh, thank you. Thank you. We are back. This is, again, like I just said, if you weren't listening, I just said it. Part two of a conversation that we just had on Blaine's podcast, the Real Views podcast. We did one movies one through four of the Mission Impossible franchise, talked about them, gushed over them, talked about our critiques of them. And now, back on our show, we're going to finish up this conversation, which will inevitably lead into the newest release, the Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Well, actually, I guess it's Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. There's no 7. No, we got rid of the miracles a while ago. Get those number shit out of here. But first, we have to talk about (laughs) Mission Impossible, no number 5, but Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, the first time we see Chris McQuarrie pick up the camera and and like basically be like, hey, you know, this franchise that we've been passing around uh, Hollywood lately, it's mine now. You no one else gets <laughs> to touch it. This this is mine and I'm not giving it back because he's basically taken over this franchise and like just ran ran within doing his big stunt work. And I mean, th- just this one specifically opens with. Maybe one of the newest and most iconic uh, Mission Impossible shots with him literally hanging on the outside of an airplane. It was the first time we really saw the movie like market itself on the big action set piece that was in the opening. 
like in the trailer we see him holding onto the plane like i again go listen to the real views podcast but i just mentioned that like they i mean it's it's the behind the scenes of it all getting to see how they did it and then watching the movie and getting that added experience of seeing all this unfold right before your eyes and you're like oh my god this man is actually on the outside of a plane that is taking off it's craziness and then that just rolls into what i think is a movie that is a lot like ghost protocol in the sense that we're established the team we have our main characters we have our chemistry between them and now they're just put in this mission to go figure it out because they're the best that can do it and we just get to see them how just basically how the mission unfolds and now we're in this one they've upped the action i think they upped the humor they upped the character relations we're like really unfortunately jeremy renner doesn't hang out but we were at that point really seeing a solidified team with ving rames jeremy renner and simon Pegg and tom cruise all in this like mission force but like i said unfortunately he didn't stick around but it's it's all there. It's all great. And I think, like, f- after four, they just keep getting better. When you say Jamie Renner doesn't stick around, it makes it implies like, like he's not even in this movie. I, don't I know forget why you, that no, he's he in doesn't this stick movie, around though. for six and seven yeah. now. I forget he's that just, he's, he's in this movie. He's not Jeremy in Renner much of this be. movie either. He's pretty much just side by side with Alec Baldwin for a lot of it, just counter arguing. <laughs> or not arguing because he does the whole um you know i am i can neither confirm nor deny the whereabouts yeah pretty much yeah Good which bit. is great yeah i i will say i do hate the fact that they just open with the big stunt i like i like oh, honestly awesome. like it's good in one way that, like great. you know you know it kind of flows into the intensity of the movie but like i just i wish we would have watched and like led up to it rather than just giving us what we were excited of. Yeah. Fallout gives you the one that you thought was the main advertised stunt, like right there in the middle. And then by the end, we'll talk about it, but by the end they're like, Oh yeah, but this is the actual set piece. Exactly. Right. Well, I, and like this one, you have him diving into the water, right? Yeah. 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 That, That to me is the big stunt. I mean, oh, they, he, he, he spent yeah. a lot of time training and holding his breath. Didn't uh, didn't like, someone recently just like Nicole Kate Kidman Winslet. beat his yeah. record? Oh, Kate, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah, yeah. Kate Winslet. Yeah. Did you say Nicole Kidman? I, she was That'd an cool. man. That's water. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, no, I, 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 I see you. I mean, I see you you can't bring her into this pod. It'd be a risk. Oh, yeah, that is she, actually She held her breath for I'm six sorry. minutes on a blue screen. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, so the. What's really neat, though, with the Chris McQuarrie bringing his own, you know, angle into this atmosphere, like he's he's an Academy Award winner, which is is probably goes unnoted uh, for the screenplay of Usual Suspects. So he he elevates the script. That's the I think that's the first thing that's where these films afterwards start becoming very more like the dialogue and in the way that the screenplay works with the scenes are are great. Because uh, without that, a lot of it's just you know what what's Tom Cruise going to do now? Uh, we definitely get. You know, Tom Cruise doing a lot of great scenes here, especially like the, the holding under your breast scene. Like this movie has a lot of those where you, you don't even want to leave. But I also enjoy the moment after that when like he like wakes up and he's like half knocked out, half awake. He's, and like he's dead. trying to chase Rebecca Ferguson <laughs> on the bike. Yeah, like he was dead. Yeah, he was dead. Like that whole <laughs> moment with him and Benji chasing and the drives. cars and the motorcycles, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that he whole tried- thing was awesome. 
He tries to slide and like the back going backwards off the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I, I, like that stretch. It, it, that actually, I would consider that like the big set piece is that car chase right there. That is incredibly well executed, and it's almost as if during that motor motorcycle portion, I think, of this specific like race, it's Chris McQuarrie redoing John Woo's bullshit, but better. Bit. But better. But better. Yeah. God. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> I. 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 Like that stretch of the underwater heist to mm-hmm. the car chase to that motorcycle chase, where like Very Tom fun. Cruise is like turning, and it looks like his knees are like hitting the pavement, and or like yeah. at least they're like a millimeter away. Like there, that is- there's actually one spot where it actually does touch, and he flinches up. That's crazy. I, I saw this on Twitter the other day, and I was like. What? How have I never picked this up? And then I I watched like the clip another three times and like found it. And it's wild. It's crazy. Well, it's like, like when I... it's like when adult teenagers play on that motorcycle game at work and they just lean <laughs> all the way over yep. as hard as they can until it breaks. Exactly. Well, and it's like the whole um, you know, I, I think that set piece is great. My favorite sequence in the movie is the opera set piece, where you know, Benji has to kind of guide Ethan um you know to this assassination attempt that's going down and while this whole like opera you know musical uh sequence is happening like he's fighting a bodyguard in the rafters like and then not only is Rebecca Ferguson there but another assassin is there and like in real time he has to figure out like what's going on as the deadline of the end of the song is happening and he decides to shoot um the minister or whatever like in the shoulder so that mm-hmm. way he'll duck down and the other like bullets will shoot and miss him like that is incredible stuff and I, it's I all internal because it's like silent yeah like, even the fight is silent like they they can't make noise because of yeah. the whole opera so it's it's crazy i love that sequence so much and i think that's what like mccory like you were saying because he worked I mean, he he he's kind of been silently behind the scenes with Cruz since I think Valkyrie was the first thing they worked on, and then he directed um Jack Reacher, right? Yeah, yeah, the first yeah. one I believe. So he directed Jack Reacher, and then um here it feels like he's just like very inspired by Hitchcock, like the whole Rebecca Ferguson character of it all with Ilsa finally being introduced. Like she's very much the femme fatale, and you never really know like wh- whose side is she on. Like she's so yeah. curious and so hot, and it's like uh, okay, like I, I you can see the influences that he's pulling from while still fitting it within the confines of a Mission Impossible movie. Well, the thing with Rebecca Ferguson is that it elevates what we've gotten to see through Bond girls within this decade with what Daniel Craig has like. She brings her own her own piece to the to the mission and, and to the chase. And it's it's a lot fun that the whole franchise itself has done that with a lot of the the leading females. They give them a lot of the actresses a chance to do their own thing. And she she gets on board with it and just really elevates it. And I fell in love the first time I got to see her. So that was great. Well, and this is the first time that we've seen her, right? Because like I, yeah. I she was in a couple mm-hmm. of TV stuff. But, like this is the first time she's like, you know, like into the limelight, as it were. And then ever since then, like she's been a joy to watch on screen. Um, Jenny Lynn, baby. That's right. No, no, we are not talking about the <laughs> show. <We're> not here. <laughs> Don't get me started. Hey, this is my show. Great Blaine. movie. Great movie. We'll talk about great the movie. greatest showman whenever I want to talk about greatest showman. <laughs> Still haven't seen this in theaters. Are you serious? Oh, since theaters. I thought you were about to say. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. But anyways, I would say with this one, I it's there's gonna be a level of cohesion going forward to this universe. Now that Chris McQuarrie is like fully in charge, 
the, the it's not only the cohesiveness of the screenplay, but it's like now there's a level of drama. The it's like paced perfectly, and there's there's humor, there's tone, there's like character dynamics that we can now bounce off of that we can go forward and see throughout the rest of the franchise. I just I loved getting to see all the different styles and voices of the different directors going forward, but like five movies in on the fifth director. I think they definitely found the guy that understands the voice of the Mission Impossible movies and like what the people have been coming to see across all four of his predecessors, the different aspects of those movies. He takes, he stitches them together and he creates really what this franchise is and is or became at the time, but is to is now. And I think that's pretty crazy. And I mean, Honestly, I don't know who else could do that in Hollywood. Hundred percent. So here, I so I have a tiny little knock against this movie, and I want to know how you guys feel about it. So I like, I think the first two thirds of this are as good as any other Mission Impossible movie, and I feel like the last third doesn't have enough energy for me personally. Like it, it peaks with the again, like I was saying, like the underwater to the car chase to the motorcycle. Not all is great, and then the third act is kind of a oh no, Benji's strapped to a bomb. And then they're just kind of running around and then they, you know, they get laying in a box, which is a good callback to the beginning of the movie. But I don't know, like I, that, I, I don't love that third act. I feel like it could have been a lot more um, exciting. And like Lane in this movie, like I don't entirely get him. I think he's a much better antagonist in what follows. He's just kind of like there, at least in my opinion. I don't know. Does Lane work for That's you That's what's really, really cool about the franchise at his whole, like up, uh, outside of like the big name actors they still do a good job at getting people you're not familiar with like coming from ghost protocol that that actor was only known for the girl with the dragon tattoo like the right. swedish version so like getting sean harris to be the ba- big bad guy was like well, interesting move there mm-hmm. and he does it creep and i think the part that since we don't know him entirely like we're able to be more creeped out when he's on screen we don't have the same history with that actor and i like the place where like he, you know, Ethan goes down the hole and then he's so like on just revenge to get him, I guess. He jumps down himself and that's when the trap reveals itself. And like, I thought that part was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. Okay. I think because all the there, adrenaline that leads to it is still a well-respected payoff. I mean, I got to say it again. There is a noticeable increase in sharpness of the screenplay. With yeah. twists and turns, and the how the the like events unfold right in front of our eyes, and how the movie's able to surprise us in this one, but more importantly in the next one, and we'll talk about that here in a second as we swiftly transition into Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, it's the easiest one to transition into because it's like the most direct sequel of any of the movies have ever been. Yeah, because we're literally. Yeah. Not only are we carrying over the main characters, we're carrying over the main villain, who is a major focal point of this entire film. Here? What's up? Are you getting ahead of yourself? No, I'm transitioning into six. We're talking about six now. Oh, okay. yeah. Nation's good. Thumbs up. I just had yeah. a little slight. I think we've said enough. But the, I want to talk about six because this dude, this rewatch blew me away. I don't think I've watched it since movie or like th- since theaters, and then we watched it before the new one. And man, I, I, the three reveals got me again. Like I was able (laughs) to experience that once in theaters in 2018 or whatever. And then all these years later, 
as I'm watching the movie, it comes back to me. I'm like, no fucking way. And these uh, these things, these these twists and turns, I'm not going to spoil, but truly surprise audiences and the people in the movie. And like, I mean, man, this I don't think there has been a sharper story. This one actually tops my list. It is my favorite of the movies. Fallout. Same. Fallout was able to like swoop in there and like three is great, but this combines the best aspects of the espionage and the tension and the thriller of the smaller scenes of the conversations between our characters with the biggest and the best of the action that we've ever seen in this franchise. I mean, besides the halo jump, there is this one-on-one helicopter action fight that's simultaneously coinciding with a bomb defusal, just creating this level of tension that we've maybe never seen in before. And I'm surprised we haven't used this word before, before, but these movies have been quintessential blockbusters since their conception. And this one may take the cake as the definition of a blockbuster because I mean, you get in there, you sit down, you eat your popcorn, and you're just taken away for the two hours and 30 minutes you're watching this movie, literally. There, there's not oh, yeah. one minute of this film that you like, you can't miss you it. Can't. Like You have to sit there and watch the whole thing. There's no bathroom breaks. No. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think this is one of the best, if not the best action movie of the 2010s. Like, yes. every element of this movie is Ooh, that's so... that's a list, man. I, but, wow. Yeah. But the only the... thing it competes with... Is is probably Mad Max favorite. Yes, That's the yeah, only yeah, 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 yeah. John Wick's if John Wick is twenty ten, then I would also contest that. But but I'm saying damn, like as far as like list. adrenaline action filmmaking, like this, yeah, is unbelievable. Like again, like seeing it in theaters with you guys, like everyone felt it. Everyone felt like the excitement and pure like just. Like, we got shot in the arm with adrenaline walking in, and it's like, holy shit. And Lauren Valve's score is so good. Bongos. And what he does with the bongos, like, it increases the intensity yeah, of the movie. Yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. every <laughs> single set piece is so well thought out and so well structured in a place where it is just a riveting experience. The movie is two hours and 30 minutes, and I don't believe that for a second. No. It feels like 90 at most. Dude, by the it's time like, they ooh. get to, like, the mountains and you're, like, seeing Michelle Monaghan again... It it literally feels like you've been watching an hour long movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. And we have not even mentioned Henry Cavill, who ain't he ain't quite F- Philip Seymour Hoffman when it comes to villains, but like he's, he's up great. there for me. He's but the, great. But the difference. He's an intimidating force that you can put up. That's almost like the anti Ethan Hunt in the in every way, like size, shape, mindset, she, all of it. Well, and- Bassett uses the phrase "you prefer a hammer" and I use a yeah. scalpel. We're yeah, like exactly it's precision versus brute force. the hammer, you see the yeah, it's great. There's that script. I mean, that script. and I mean, I've never seen a gentleman load his arms more sex sexily. Oh sexy, my god, sexy. <laughs> no, I don't know. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> it was hot. the best. Like that bathroom fight scene. Ethan's getting the shit kicked out like, of him. Like, dude, every time he's oh, trying yeah. to make a move. I mean, let's not fail to mention that, that dude they're fighting is also kicking butt. Yeah. He beats both of them. He's fighting. He literally yeah, beats he both of them. He's taking on both of them and, yeah. like, would have won if not for someone brought a gun to the kung fu fight. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, so I was I was listening to the Rewatchable podcast on this, and, and they talked about how they wanted a famous actor to play that fighter, that the, the John Lark. They wanted a mm-hmm. famous actor, but they couldn't. Donnie, yeah. Apparently, they brought someone in unknown. Like it's not. I 
tried digging to find out who it was, but I couldn't. But apparently they had someone and it just didn't work in terms of the the fighting, like trying to get yeah. him to learn the moves or something like that. So they so went with the stunt. That guy was just a stunt. Yeah, that guy was just a stunt guy on set. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll their ass. If only yeah. Bruce and Lee then, was and then still Rebecca comes in and it's it's like I said that goes from the Halo jump straight to the bathroom fight. It's, it's oh, yeah. fantastic. I and and for what we got with with Henry Cavill, like that was I mean probably the most famous mustache in cinema history because yeah. he wasn't oh, able yeah. to the one that killed the DCU. So Superman. Exactly. I mean, there's yeah. Henry Cavill's mustache and then there's Charlie Chaplin's mustache. Exactly, and only those two <laughs> examples. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. No, we're gonna like, stop right there. Yeah, exactly. But, but we we talk about the mission franchise, and a lot of like when you bring up the mission franchise with a friend, you start talking. Oh, what's your favorite set piece? And like, I can't believe that they're topping themselves. Um, and this feels like a movie where they keep topping themselves in the in the movie itself. Like every set piece is somehow better than the last. And the movie opens with the goddamn Halo jump, which is like one of the most insane pieces of filmmaking I've ever seen. And it goes from that to the bathroom fight. To like one of the sickest motorcycle chases, to the foot chase, to the helicopter chase, and it's like unbelievable how it just keeps getting better and better and better and better. It's like a snowball going down a hill. To the the payload drop and everything. Yeah, and Dude, I mean, so and I was, and I said I wasn't gonna spoil it, and I I don't want to spoil it. But then there the, there's the interrogation scene stitched in between that, which is not yep. actiony at all, but it's yeah. still just as breathtaking because of its ability to actually fuck my mind. <laughs> Well, and like, it, like, it genuinely is a mind-blowing feat to like trick someone right before their eyes right yeah crazy listen the imf are just a bunch of theater kids all right that's all they like they just like play, putting on performances and doing uh you know close hand magic um but the crazy <laughs> thing is that so not only is this an awesome adrenaline fuel ride but this also like ties everything together for ethan hunt as a character in this movie because not only do we bring back Julia, who, you know, we kind of had an offhand mention in four, which could have wrapped things up, but we bring her back as, like, a level of emotional stakes for Ethan. And we also tie together this whole, like, listen, this man is only defined by the others around him. And to have a threat with Lane and um, Henry Cavill, like, specifically designed to threaten that, it's just, like, perfect stake building in this action. Like, it, it's unbelievable how well Cavill well, And it actually, like... To me, like Henry Cavill feels like an equal, like to Tom, and like that's something I don't feel like we've exactly like seen in this franchise, or like you know, it kind of feels like capturing lightning in a bottle, like to try and get someone that's equal physicality wise and stuff too, like just going for it and and not afraid to back down. And the bathroom scene alone shows that off, but then. And any other like sequence, whether it's just you know plot development or you know the finale, like you you see it come to life, and it's crazy. And also these well, movies, also, oh. I was gonna say these movies start to get funny yeah. with Chris yeah. McQuarrie. There's the moment when they get when they do the like the Halo jump, and he's like, "Oh, you lost your oxygen tank," and we all know what actually happened. And then yeah. there's also the moment where there's three dudes in the bathroom and they're like, oh, what are you doing in there? Hey, like that's these the, these are good comedic moments inside. So like he's got drama, action, comedy. Ro there's romance up in these movies because the will they won't they with him and Elsa or Julia yeah. or whatever. 
they all of these again that's what your blockbusters got to have they got to be for everybody and like if you like any aspect of what i just said this movie is going to be entertaining on some level for you mm-hmm. oh that that i wanted to say like henry cavill like he he's a better actor than he gets credit for and i think this film really oh, shows yeah. you the talent that he's capable of and it's it's unfortunate he's been roped in the whole drama of being Superman, and I know he has a passion for that. But I I mean, if it wasn't for the twist that we got in this film, I would have loved to have seen him kind of keep going with with Tom Cruise in this. Like if with how we had Sean Harris return from from Rogue to this one, I would have just as much liked to have seen Henry do do that. But he's fine. Yeah, he's gonna be a cyborg in Dead Reckoning Part Two. Yeah, well, it's Dead gonna be a big hook shape. You know, it'll he's be a still fast gonna have the hook in his head. <laughs> they'll bring him back yeah exactly um yeah i don't know and like right like you were saying you know it, it is very funny but the humor never gets in the way of the movie it's entirely no. like look at how insane this man is <laughs> like there's not, i don't know my favorite joke in the whole thing and it's in the trailers but it's when you know tom cruise is about to hang off of the helicopter like grabs onto the rope and Rebecca Ferguson's like, what is he doing? And Simon Pegg's like, I bet I find it best not to look. Like, that's the franchise yeah. right there where you're laughing or, in amazement. Or like um when when Benji's not exactly like looking at like the iPad the right way. Yeah. And Ethan's just like, I'm jumping out a window. Right. And he's like, Oh shit. Oh now it's in 3D. I got you. <laughs> like all that's great. Great bit. Great bit. Um and then so not only do we get uh Henry Cavill to this, but we also get Vanessa Kirby. Who yeah. um, the first time I saw this, I was like struck by Cupid's era. I was like, "Who is this woman?" Um, and I, 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 you know, she's not. She doesn't get a lot to do in this one. I think she actually gets a lot more to do in the next one. But I find her presence like really fun. She has kind of a very flirty energy with Tom Cruise um, that is much appreciated. Uh, and she's Max's daughter, which is an interesting kind of you know um, continuity from the first one, where you kind of least expect it. Um, but I find her a charming. Wait, presence. what? Yeah. I'm learning this right now. You didn't know that? I missed mm-hmm. that. Totally. That's why Queen Kitra's... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's coming together in my mind, but I... When we see when right we see Vanessa head. Kirby, like, they're having the, you know, the funeral of Max. Like, that's what that ceremony is. You're saying John Voight. No, the old lady from the first one. Max. Van- uh, Vanessa Redgrave. Or uh, what's 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 her Never mind. name? I thought I thought it was I thought that was the name of John Boyd's character. But I'm, <laughs> this is less mind blowing, but also I still didn't realize. Ah, <laughs> uh, the more you know, the more you know. Dead. But I don't know. I like this movie's perfect. I don't know. They nailed it. It feels like everything that Cruz and McQuarrie have been doing together, as far as like their like choices of filmmaking, where it's like we got to get the stunt first, where they go every single day to get that um the halo jump sequence like that's oh, yeah. nuts these guys are they, insane. they only had they had like a three minute window like once a day and to get it in like a uh, sunset and 150 days. times they did that like it's crazy yeah now um wait so brent you were gonna say something about alec baldwin in this now well, i didn't yeah no, I, I didn't want to say anything about oh, alec okay baldwin. i'd yeah, rather yeah, talk yeah, about yeah. simon well, Pegg because we haven't mentioned him at all the, that much he's great in these movies yeah he's amazing i think he brings here's the thing the dialogue speaks for itself it, it, like the dialogue even in the scene does not does, age well does but it's peg have a hand in writing was he like a so. co-writer on any so. of these i don't think so 
He wrote Star Trek. He wrote the third Star Trek. Ah, that's I'm that's yeah. what I'm confusing it with. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised, dude. His moments are so genuine. I love how Simon Pig's character is basically our like pseudo audience member who's just as blown away by the shit that Ethan does as the, as we are, and is truly like, "You're doing what?" Like all the time. Like <laughs> at this point, he is still like us. All this time later, he's still like, "Yeah, this is just pretty much what he does." We just <laughs> we're just used to it at this point. And so I've Actually, always like thought of him as like the pseudo audience member, but also like an integral part of the team. He's always he's not a hindrance. He could have he could have end up being like the dopey just sidekick that all is always getting in the way or like messing up the plan. But no, he plays an integral part. He saves Ethan multiple times. He is a hero in his own right. So I like that he's like been more than just like the sidekick character for all these movies. When well, he and- lost weight for uh, this one as well, like he got into shape and sure. everything. Like I wish we would have gotten a little more field work when yeah, that comes maybe, to maybe play. But like, scene, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's not what I was going. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like it's you know it would have been cool to see him do some more. But like what we do get is kind of like awesome as well because like especially in the finale, like him actually getting a chance to like be involved in oh, the field we- work a little bit more. On on top of that, with the finale, probably one of the biggest, I got you, when the timer's yeah. going off and we don't see Ethan grab the remote. Yeah. And yeah. Then you just see the glare of the sun, but we think it's the explosion. And then yeah. Ethan just you know, spits it out. And it's like, I, you know, like, well, that was, and it's, that was sinister. It's, it's great callback and foreshadowing, like, from, like, the beginning of the movie where it, like, yeah, yeah. It, it shows the whole, like, oh, like, wedding and it goes into what the explosion is going to be and then to get to this point where it just it just goes to the the white screen and you're like they're all fucking dead like you know everyone's gone yeah and i forgot speaking about that too like what made me forget about this the moment that they um they pull like the i gotcha moment before um before the iconic uh, theme song like is also great like in the beginning yeah um, well because the trailers like the trailers made it look like the bombs went off I, I don't know if you guys yeah. remember this but the trailers like made it look like the three bombs have been dropped and this was like Tom Cruise getting revenge and that's just like a setup for just the opening scene of the movie where yeah. they dupe me and I'm like oh never mind no the bombs are still out there they haven't been detonated. This was all an act just to get this guy. Like, I don't know. I I, I, I was very amused by that opening sequence. And they got oh, Wolf yeah. Blitzer for, like, two minutes just to come in and be, you know, under the mask. Like, that's adorable. Um, I that's that. such a good scene. Yeah. Um, can, can I say we this is the fastest I've ever seen Tom Cruise haul ass in, in any movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, literally... This man, that's literally the fastest I've seen him run. And it, it baffles me every single time I watch this movie. And it adds with the, the score and the intensity of the movie. Um, It just, it's like, this man's a god. Like, this, he just, he ran faster than any man could. Do you think he filmed that scene before or after he blew on, out on the his broken ankle? On the yeah. broken ankle. On the broken ankle. And, like, it's it's crazy. 
Like, I, I mean, don't know I how failed, you could do that. I failed to mention this when we were talking about Rogue Nation, but, I mean, I would like to consider myself a little bit of a Tom Cruise the way I was hauling ass across that bridge in front of Big Ben. <laughs> hey, we're gonna go Just like Tom Cruise when I was in London and I left my phone on a double-decker bus. <laughs> <laughs> This is a real thing that happened. I was weaving in and out of people. And I I mean, after the fact that when I got my phone, I could really joke about it, but I was going to ruin my trip. It is. It is confirmed. Brett is Tom Cruise. Um, Pretty much. Closest thing to it, baby. (laughs) My last point. Should I get up and jump on this couch real quick? Do it. Um, so, my last point that I want to make about Fallout real quick. Um, I love I so we've been talking about how each mission movie, um, kind of sets up itself apart. I think a smart thing that McQuarrie did here is he grabbed a different cinematographer, um, than he did in Rogue Nation. So this one is shot looks. by yeah, this one's shot by Rob Hardy, who shot a lot of like Alex Garland stuff, like Ex Machina, Annihilation, Men, and your mileage may vary on um, you know those movies, but you can't deny how beautiful those movies look, and I feel like that applies here with what he's able to capture with like pinks and greens and like this really weird like um color palette that he's working with like it's so visually striking a little bit of orange too yeah and like you know the scenes of the helicopter it's like almost like documentarian and with the imax cameras um just like showing him just like it's kind of like brett saying it's like this is a god right here like we i don't know this man is risking his life for entertainment and i feel like no movie is that stronger than mission impossible fallout i don't know i love it oh yeah as we seg into Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, the the headline in 2022 was Tom Cruise Saves Cinema with Top Gun Maverick. And here he is in 2023 delivering perhaps one of the more astonishing action films we have seen since Fallout. <laughs> no yes. doubt about that. We And we know, we've heard and we've watched the videos that was released in, in making of, say, some stunts in this film. And how they've always wanted to top it. I mean, that's one thing we haven't even mentioned is just how vocal Tom Cruise is on the press of like, yeah, we just did this one, but the next stunt is going to be better. You haven't even seen nothing. Bro, like, I love that Chris to- McQuarrie. Yeah. They were like, what's the, what's the like stunt you least liked watching Tom Cruise have to do? And he's like, you haven't even seen it yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, it, that's how you there, put butts in seats. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this, this is an interesting entry. Um, the basically the 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 threat. We don't really talk much about the uh, the the villains' objectives here, but this film is mostly um, Tom Cruise and and his team is at the helm to try and get this cross key that unlocks what is supposed to be the most powerful weapon for all humanity, and every nation is after it, especially in which brings back my you know the beloved Kittredge and his secrets but ethan is is tasked to to get a hold of this but he learns of its you know more true nature and how he wants to destroy it because he knows that no man should have this power which is why we we love ethan hunt uh because he's just you know he's one for all of us and it's it's a film that just really kind of captures all of the mysteriousness that we haven't had in a while i guess you could say because we, we have an enemy that we do not know of the AI, as we've come to learn, the entity, uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I think this is the only part where I seg from you guys in terms of rating and overall, like, what are we doing here, even upon rewatch? Uh, I want to see how it captures in part two before I fully assess this one, because it could it could pay off well, or it could, I mean, who knows, like, 
I'm Ethan Hunt could fail that admission. Who knows? But this this one is definitely probably um, second favorite for me in the whole in the in the in franchise. Same. I I like I like the additions we got uh, within this in this entry. Haley Atwell, well, I can't speak as high as you guys as you guys did during the showing. I, I know you were there for it. I'm a you're, Rebecca you're Ferguson. Ridiculous. Like I will. I'm I, Rebecca Ferguson. I I'm not whew. gonna. I'm sweating already. I so with Haley Atwell, I I like her, and like I can, it's promising. I can I can see how they can utilize her in the future. Like it's great, and like she like one of the biggest things is like these new additions to this team. They're all going for it just as hard as Tom. So like you got her like doing the physicality on the train and everything too, um, which is which is great. But with Rebecca Ferguson, like that is a loss like to this franchise like you know that stake um kind of doesn't make uh, like it makes sense but it doesn't to me it feels random it it feels like a a random how do we figure out where the story could go and that's all that they were left with like it doesn't exactly feel like it was a warranted um decision that they had to do to progress the story I, I will say I love I love the line though you know like from Tom Cruise talking talking to him you know going like if you hurt you know these two uh, there isn't a place that you or your God will be able to hide from me like it that's fucking wild but that's the only thing good that we got out of that in my opinion. I think I have questions about this movie overall. I think it absolutely rips. Um. I was riveted from minute one, and uh, even on rewatch, I was still on the edge of my seat. I have some questions regarding, um, you know, certain plot threads that are set up, but it's a part one, so it's like, our, right. my complaint, like, I can't really complain if yeah. they're going to address this in part two, which part of me thinks that McHugh and Cruz are going to top this. Like, I feel like yes. they know... I, I feel like they have their eye on the ball here. It's just that we don't. <laughs> and the fact that we have to wait for it, which is fine. Like, I can wait. I'm good. Yeah. Um, but it, there's just some questions that I have that we'll need answering in later installments. Um, but for part one, I found this thrilling. And we've seen, you know, this is the third part one that we've gotten this year, along with Fast X and um, Across the Spider-Verse. And technically, this feels like the cleanest ending of any of them. You know, um, mm-hmm. Fast X, the ending is kind of abysmal. And Spider-Verse ends on a cliffhanger, which is good. I like the ending of Spider-Verse. But this feels like this feels like the most like tied off of, an, of a part one ending um, that we've seen this year, at least in my opinion. I mean, if we're also comparing movies with of this year, it's very strange to me that like it keeps happening. We have these like simultaneous movie coincidences like there's two movies that have chris pratt and also a climax needle drop of no sleep till brooklyn and now we also have two movies with a car uh car chase sequence down a specific set of stairs in venice italy yeah well yeah it's really the weird same bomb the same and like bomb pretty much the, exact, yeah exactly the same MacGuffin. So um, Chase another, and I were looking at each other like a couple of times when we were watching this. Yeah, team, like, yeah. Super, we've seen this before. Is, yeah, now it's, it's like, done better. It's done. We've better been there. Yes. Done better. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. It's done better. And then the same thing I feel like goes for um because Indiana Jones opens on a train sequence as oh, well. Oh yeah, and there, there's and, a like, train fight sequence train. in this one. And this one I feel like is done better. Like yeah. it's it's because you feel 
it's... and I and I think that the key the key thing that it gets me and then it's across this entire franchise, but it's what I keyed in again on this one. It's how like there's all this heart racing, hold your breath style like you like when he's motocrossing off there and then and they cuts off the music and he's base jumping with his parachute. You like taking a deep breath it takes your breath away type thing and it's like an anxiety inducing tension that this film is like a clear-cut reminder that cgi action set pieces can never compare to like truly putting your your actor in this position like the the only thing i have to contest to that though is like i feel like there's more of a hold your breath moment in the train sequence um, not not like them on top of it, but the ending of the train sequence. That is the one that gave uh, me a heart attack. That is the one that um, in me and oh, Blaine's uh, full IMAX uh, screening of it. Um, I like was making noise. Chase can attest to this. I was making noise. He was the whole IMAX. audience. The, yeah, it was. Uh, nah, but the, it didn't shift. But but um, but anyways um. No, but uh, the whole audience is reacting to that. Like everyone is feeling that intensity and that like you're you have no way out of it. I will say the CGI portion of that falls into a factor with the train portion of that. Um, in the finale, there is a little bit of that that takes me out, but a hundred percent off that jump. Um, you f- you feel the intent the, the the realistic aspects of that, especially in the fact where it cuts to him having dialogue in the air, um, is crazy. Yeah. yeah. And um, another thing too with that, uh, me and Blaine were watching this, and like I had like a month a month before this, we were playing GTA, like just we're we're spitballing like what's going on with this movie, like off of the trailers and whatnot. And I com- completely put together how what that jump was going to lead to and everything. And then we were sitting in like the theater watching that screening and Blaine's like hitting my arms the whole time. Like when when we're getting to the jump and like where when it's actually taking off, it was like it, that actually like happened. And it, it obviously he was going to jump, you know, from there onto the train. So it was it was cool. With with you saying the with the bringing up the video game, there is the homage to Uncharted Two that was pretty neat. Yeah, because the hanging on the train, uh, that that part was cool. But I mean, the whole train sequence from from the from the jump we finally get to see, to I liked how the landing wasn't great. Like I I liked how he actually just ran right into right into the train. Awesome, yeah, I love. He busted through the side of a metal train. Blaine literally audibly fine. like almost screamed during that moment too. Like it scared. It me. was so loud. We saw it not that. Dude, <laughs> I didn't. I just don't it. get it. Um, it was so I, I, I have a question for you guys. What do you guys think of Gabriel? I think that Isai Morales' performance is good. I find him intimidating. I'm a little confused as like how he's implemented. And again, yeah, I feel like it's going to be answered in part two. So, okay. I, so. What I heard was there was a 20-minute de-aging sequence that is basically the flashback, dreamy sequence yeah. stuff that we saw with Gabriel that would have been at the beginning of this movie completely setting up Ethan's backstory. And oh, they yeah. decide because of how distracting the de-aging CGI was and how long the sequence was, like a movie that we've already seen this year once again, yeah. they scrapped it and basically implemented it in these shorter 
dream sequences, so, but I think we're gonna get it in eight in the in eight for in sure. Part two. Yeah. That's I how mean, I they, feel too. If they don't flush out this backstory for this character we've never seen before, seven movies into a franchise, trying to make him like the guy in Ethan Hunt's life, like I would have understand making it connected to the first movie, but like out of the blue, rewriting like an original character writing in an original character of this nature and like really not giving us any reason to think that he could like fuck with Ethan Hunt. Like, I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he's a worthy adversary, but not really like physically at all. We don't get to see that much of that. It's really just like a cat and mouse style chase where one of them's always ahead of the other somehow. It's just, we got to get that much more, but like Blaine said, that I can't really fault this movie for that because I know we're getting that much more, and yeah. honestly, leaving us with that air of mystery as to like who this guy really is and why he's this connected to Ethan, I think is not the worst thing in the world, and it's and like something someone, that'll keep you interested in seeing the next movie. Him. He could be killed off in like the first twenty minutes, so he could be like Act One killed off, and then. And then, and then, and the then, whole, the, like, and then we find out the entity is, is the, the woman yeah. in that flashback. She is the one who well, did it. Damn. She's sitting, I, I was, a, she's sitting in a chair in a room of TVs, like at the end of Matrix 2. Now we're talking. I will say, too, like, um, like Ethan, if you notice, like, Ethan has long hair in that. Um, and Tom has had long hair the entirety that they've been filming the next one. Uh, I, for one, I think that's the newest footage. So, like, the last of this part that got filmed um but on top of that i definitely think things will come into uh play with the next one with that as well and it'll it'll have a bigger arc or a bigger fulfillment well, that's well, the thing, right? that we like... actually get the release date yeah I, I hope it doesn't get delayed with with things. it's it's, gonna. Gonna get it's it. gonna. probably gonna yeah it's gonna I, i've already accepted it they, they already thing. said that they have like another like half of that movie to film or something like that. Uh, so it's gonna for sure. Well, I'm like, and, and you know, I feel like I'm, I'm like trying to critique the movie here, but in all honesty, like I had a great time. It's just it being a part one. I just have questions that aren't resolved. And I, we've never had that for a mission movie. Cause normally for a mission movie, you know, it's a one right, though. And done, it's like, it right. stands so alone like, as it, it's own thing. Very much so. And I still think this stands alone as, as like, uh, its own movie. Like, Fast yeah. X, I don't think stands alone. Like, I feel like there's, like, you know, 80 minutes at most that you can cut out of that movie, just, like, with the snap of fingers, and you'd be fine. This, I feel like there's crucial information here. And, you know, sure, we get exposition. But when it's in the hands of, like, Henry Zerny back in his kitchen, or Isai Morales, like, chewing the scenery every time he's on screen, I'm riveted. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I just found all that stuff... Um, interesting no, i and love I, think, I love that character well and there's a metal angle that this movie's going with with the entity being a villain and it's tom cruise kind of fighting ai i got a very yeah. religious angle going for this the entity being Absolutely. like this ethereal godlike being and like even gabriel being his like angel of like and the key is a yeah. cross and, like yeah come on it's now. there's there's all these biblical tones and 
There's there's definitely all that. I just think this movie does get a, it gets lost in these side characters. Like why who the who the fuck Shea Wiggum and why does he have to be here? No, no, no. We are not. Like he he's great. He's great, but it's an unnecessary character. Frank, come in, take your boy. There's no. Already have Kittredge and like you. I mean, why do we need this other entity hunting Ethan while also Gabriel's doing his thing? Shea Wiggum is not an entity. I mean, I don't know who he's Shay Wiggingham is, is being it's Shay Wiggum. You you haven't watched him ever? Like, no, I'm I absolutely have. Years. I know who Shay Wiggum <laughs> is. I'm just saying we didn't need all these extra characters. Palm sure. Clemente I, yeah. was great, but what does her. she add to the movie? Not really much at all. I want her part to hit two. me with that metal rod. Part two. She will be a, a so, so a all this where force. you're not gonna dock, you're not gonna dock anything yet because you're gonna know it's gonna happen in part two. These characters are gonna continue their story. In yeah, part two. right. I, like, that's why I'm not you're, you're docking them. I just think they're unnecessary at this point, and they gotta make them necessary. So then when they See, pop I up in two, you're gonna be like, oh, why were they in one? Like we're we're gonna well, go. I mean, circle. unless they're, they're just like ants. I get uh, still. I just don't understand. I get why they have like. A government it's it's just like Shea Wiggum really wants to catch Ethan Hunt but we don't know yeah, why it's all, funny it's it all because like, I got you and he does it. like we know it's it's fun I enjoyed the fuck out of that it's all because Kittredge I mean, is going to be the bad guy let's just let's just put it put it I mean he's never the good guy I, I, Ethan's always trying to just dupe him it was amazing watching Kittredge return. Like he's in that room and he's, he's having so fun out of yeah. focus. Oh yeah. And then he finally like enters in and then you get the big entrance with Tom. Like I I, I enjoyed all that. That, that, that oh, scene yeah. was a- it's kind of annoying well, I- we got all this casting yeah. for like that room, that scene, and then we don't see like any of them. You have uh no. Peter from Deadpool 2. Carrie Elways, Rob Delaney, and uh, the woman from uh, she played the. Uh, he's been yeah, she's been around. She plays the the woman who was married to Pedro Pascal in Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, that yeah, okay, I thought I recognized her. And she was in uh, she was I think she was in Kenobi, but I can't remember. Oh, yeah, well, I can't remember yeah. Kenobi. So oh. damn, got him. Damn. Um. Well, like I and I, I still think just the action pieces are just like top notch. Like that airport sequence, the levels of tension. I was yeah. She's in Andor, sequence. actually. I'm pretty sure she's. Now in we're Andor. talking. Yeah. All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like in the the amount of escalation that that airport sequence had, um, I just was really impressed by because not only are we have multiple people going after Ethan, Ethan's going after someone, and then there's a bomb. That's kind of like the Riddler, yeah. where you know every answer you give, it knows more about you. Like just it, it keeps escalating. I think that's what McCory and Cruz are good at. They're good at escalating the conflict in their action scene. And we get, and I love we it. Get it's more so with, thrilling. We get more with Benji and with uh, Vin Rames in this mm-hmm. one as well, too. Like, um, where'd he go? Because like, where did Ving Rames go? Who knows? Well. He went to yes. I, that. That's that's one of my favorite teasers. I watched this again, and I'm like, he's like, I gotta go somewhere safe. This is but, gonna be a reveal of some some kind. What if he went always, to like go find Paula Patton? There you go. That'd be cool, and I would be ecstatic. Um, but no, like the the, <laughs> the thing that's awesome with with Vin, uh, like it's always he is the best friend to Ethan, the the person that keeps him humble, the person that keeps him grounded, um, and. He shows you the outcomes that 
what Ethan's going to get himself into going to this train and leading up and like what he can and can't do to try and stay ahead of the entity. Um, and like, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a moment where you're seeing like there's multiple outcomes and like it plays a different outcome than those two that was presented to us. And it's really cool to see. Um, and then with Benji as well, like, you know, you're getting some more heart heartfelt character development. Um, Benji got a run, which was awesome. He got yeah. to get out. He got to book it. That was so cool. Incredible. So wait, Brent, you said you're uh, out of the four women in this movie you're rebecca ferguson man listen i rebecca I ferguson was like one tear when, <laughs> when she when she got on that bridge like i knew like there were multiple signs bleeding up to it but then i was just like oh no this is then it, it was it was she bad. had to film june See, part two the uh, only yeah getting famous like Aww. i can't be mad about that the only thing that ruined it for me though is the fact that um the trailer showed Haley Atwell uh, dangling with Tom in the train. And if they did not do that, it would have been more of a toss up as to who's going to live. Well, Chase whispered in my ear. As I mean, we were watching yeah. it. there's that moment where Benji is like, I got to go find Ethan. And Chase whispers to me, he's like, Benji's fucked. And I'm like, no, what do you mean? Yeah. Because then I had like, the wrong thing. And then she got stabbed. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But it would have been ballsy for them to do that. Like, and. That I feel like these movies at this point, it's harder to predict like what's gonna go on because they are going the ballsy route. Like yeah. they're trying well, to keep it fresh, they're trying to keep it going. This one's a little bit suffers from the COVID aspect of that because there are are portions of that. Like there's exposition of I would Ethan, also, how am I gonna find a way off this mountain? It's like, dude, we didn't need that. Like I mean, yeah, like, that, you, I did, that that conversation was a little bit goofy. I would just say. Yeah, this movie above all feels a little bit safer than we've seen with these other movies in the sense that like it's not taking massive risks, even with like their idea for the villain. Man, it's almost at the point doing AI is pretty lazy and like on the nose if they're really trying to push for like this commentary of like the The one state of Hollywood. I just I I don't know. It's going to be how do they sell it at the end? How do they yeah. bring it around and loop it back in? But like I know Brent, like I you probably have something to mention because I know you didn't re- you were not a f- big fan of that whole idea. Uh, well, I just I wonder if if there's just like maybe a reveal of like an actor that is at, right, at behind the, the AI. There's someone behind all this, but then that's not truly artificial good. intelligence. If it's yeah. someone behind the the wheel, I, I thought a very very good actor to play. You know, say the adversary in the in part Christoph two. Waltz. And no, you, you might have the age right. I mean, this guy is of old, but I'm thinking like a Vigo Mortensen. Oh, okay. I like it. I could deal with that. Like, I, someone I like that, that hasn't been. Yeah, he, he, you, you, yeah. I was gonna say like it'd be really cool to just see see him at the at the realm of that. But or if they want to go younger, uh, James McAvoy. I, I think mm. that would be an interesting, interesting. And he's bald. I think that's there. a little too in a wheelchair. <laughs> too much to X Men, but like at the same time, that it, that would if be. If he's a bad uh... guy, that's nothing to X Men. What are you talking about? Just dealing with the the whole mind kind of aspect well, and of that. Nicholas Holt was originally supposed to be Gabriel. Um, yeah, fuck what? that. Are you serious? If that's true. That's yeah. fuck that. I love it, okay. dude. That guy. Has it would have been so much better. The most bags ever than. 
I mean, I don't hate Nicholas wrong. Holt. I like him fine. I don't like, either. It's interesting that he was supposed to be game room. I mean, especially because the fact that Isai Morales is as more memorable as he is while still being underdeveloped, I think is a compliment. I think he's like yeah. genuinely having a good time in the movie. Um, and he's much more villain than like much more memorable than like eighty percent of the other villains in this franchise. But I just so secretive. I think, but I think if they're everything that's presented is a surprise with him, and you don't exactly know their next move. I right. would say well, though, if they're building him up to be this connected to Ethan Hunt, they didn't do a good enough job of like being like this is the guy, like he's about to fuck shit up. But like, I don't know. I get it's the it's the thing where it's like I have to wait and see, yeah, how they pull it together. I will say with the the AI portion of it too, like this is a no no. Like you're not really supposed to give like non human you know characters human uh emotions and stuff but i do like the fact that they gave this ai like the like through exposition of tom of course but like they gave him like or this this entity a emotion of fear of, of like they don't know what exactly is going on and they're afraid someone's going to get to them like and that's kind of crazy to like think of it's it's not supposed Arnold to happen but like i think it's cool jesus that'd be hey, interesting you had, you had an answer to uh an actor that you would like to see in like installment what what do you have um so i actually have two um because that, that would be i have a teammate that could potentially go higher than uh Haley atwell for me and it rhymes um, with bola batten no <laughs> no I would love to see Paula Patton back. That would be amazing. But um, Jodie Comer, I oh, think. Yeah, I think because here's here's where, and I'll I'll say the villain that I have as well. Um, but with with her, I feel like there's the acting chops, like, but there's also the physicality. The physicality is the most important part of this movie, like, or of these movies at this point in time, because they're all going like as hard as tom is like everyone literally there's three characters that are uh, outside of tom running on that train like actually doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing but like are actually doing and that's crazy and it, and it's part of the reason why these movies are what they are um but to see her be a teammate and be a you know out in the field with them, I feel like that would be kind of cool, and I feel like the best part of she would out. work. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like I feel like she could measure up. She might not reach Elsa like levels, but she could she could get there if we she had enough build. time. Who's my villain? See, this is gonna be a little bit of a lesser known, um, and I've seen a little bit less of his work, um, but Scott Atkins. Um, he was in John Wick Four. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want him wasted as yeah. a, um, a just in a fat suit like they did in that. Um, but no, just more more so, yeah. huh? Just count Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. My my thing is too. This is whoa. If he's discount Ben Affleck, he should do a movie with Jesse Plemons. That would be great. Because that that's actually discount Matt great. Damon. Um, no, my what I. What I think is great is it's I was trying to think of somebody that could capture the physicality that like Henry Cavill could go up against. And I feel like that's somebody like you almost at this point have to reach some sort of a stunt level um, actor 
to kind of be those um characters and he is a stuntman first and then um you know an actor second and that would be a great thing that i that to bring to the table in that way i feel like um i would bring uh daniel kaluuya i I feel like he's an obvious answer but think about how scary he is in widows you know like he's such a yeah a menacing menacing as hell in that oh i I thought you were saying him as like an ally no i think you make kaluuya the bad guy yeah that's my opinion cool um but you know that's my opinion i just love the guy i think he would also work really well as a spy though he would absolutely, yeah. If he's like an MI six guy, that's fine. Well, here comes Brett with his most original ever freaking casting. Kevin but, Smith, uh, Michael I Shannon, want... Michael Shannon oh. could be a fucking. You go the the Philip Seymour Hoffman route and do not not match him with physicality, but you match him in sheer intensity. I like it. with his performance and like have him be the entity. That would be okay. freaking frick- crazy. I. <laughs> I'd I like that. Find him. I like it. Shane's always good. I like it. Might cut I his finger it. off. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a fan. Um, real quick, I, I I feel like we should do rankings of the mission movies. How much Are time we... you got? I'm ready. <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. it shouldn't be that long, right? Oh, okay. I'm ready. So I, I, yeah, I'll I'll knock I'll knock mine. Yeah, here, now. ready for this. Are you ready? Three. Everyone. One. Oh no! On on three, we all say them at the same time. Ready? Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Six, three, Six, five, eight, two. eight. I I would I would have two at the bottom, and then three, four, or three, Whoa. one, and then four. I guess just say Ghost Protocol. And I'm sorry. Did you say two, three? Two, three, one, and then Damn. Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, Dead Reckoning Part One, my second favorite, and then Fallout being the number one. Oh, you're that's delusional. I got Damn. two, one, seven, four, five, three, six. I am. Uh... Say the title. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that. Was... Fine. Two, fine. Two, one. Dead Reckoning, Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, three, Fallout. Okay. Number one. I have uh two, three, Rogue Nation, one, what Dead is Reckoning, this? What is Protocol, happening here? Fallout. I like three. Three's good. I'm just saying I don't like two. All we right? were... I think all of them are no, good. No, I understand, <laughs> but like two three is not the second worst. What is the rabbit's foot, Brett? What is it? <laughs> you don't know <laughs> what the rabbit's foot is. No one knows. The MacGuffin. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Wait, can you re- can you repeat yours? Yeah, yeah, I got you. So I have two, three, Rogue Nation, one, Dead Reckoning, Ghost Protocol, Fallout. I think I think and then uh Chase. Uh mine would go one, two. You're insane. Three. Um Rogue Nation, Ghost Protocol, Bro, Dead Reckoning four or five. and Fallout. Listen, we love conflict, all right? Especially on this yeah. podcast. Chaos, bro. That is true. We're only here to incite chaos. I am the entity. I'm not even real. I'm not even here. <laughs> it's all right. it's really crazy though. Like 
the, the next movie that Tom Cruise has lined up is Mission Impossible. But like, I'm I'm very much eager to see him start a character from scratch, like like a new one. Yeah. Like we last year was Maverick, and the and then that gap we had between the other time was Fallout to Maverick. So like, I kind of want to see what he can do to a new character. Just just to say, you know, how much can he save cinema? That that it, would be the case. Yeah. Isn't he doing a space movie with Doug Lyman? Yep. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah, and then he has another one lined up, I think, with Joseph Kosinski. Okay, and I know he wants well, to do, and, like, a musical, and then he yeah, wants and, to do a Les Grossman spinoff. Yeah, and him and uh, Chris from MK, like, they're they're doing, like, four films together. Like, they've, they have a lot lined up, to say yeah. the least. I, I mean, we're, it, we're, it's not the end of it, though. Like, we're still going to have, have him. Right. Very fair. I don't know. I love these movies. I think they're all great. Is this next one going to be the like? Is Ethan Hunt going to die in part two? No. Okay. I'm gonna go I, ahead and I say would yes. have. I would have thought so yeah. until he came out saying that he wants to make Mission Impossible. Movies That's what movies. I thought too. I was like, okay, so he's going to be fine. Well, I don't care. Also, I, Wait, I wonder. If yeah, he, I'm going to say yes, gonna... but then it's going to be someone in a mask. I'm also <laughs> Damn. thinking that. Um, uh, what do you what do you call it? Just the thought, and then Brett had to come in there with the mask. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm I'm wondering, uh, with him watching No Time to Die and seeing how Daniel Craig's version of Bond, so I wonder if he might not, he might switch the narrative on that. Where like he can still I leave. Would say he just doesn't want to copy. Yeah. My my thing is I I feel like for you to go eight movies deep and then for him to just retire. And if they continue even with some of the same characters, I feel like that's a that's kind of weakens his send off. Um, I feel like if you actually do complete his arc and even do kill him off, I feel like there's still something there that kind of like makes it special. Um, the same way, like you said, with No Time to Die, like that that had me in tears, like pretty much every time I've watched it. So I know. You were crying at how confusing Ray Malik's character is, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, that was me. That was me. I was um, like, why isn't this dude got a mustache? He's not even singing. <laughs> Tough beat for Ray. But I don't know. These movies are unparalleled. They're the greatest. Like, you know, like John Wick is probably its only um, rival as far as action filmmaking goes. Um, at this point in time, and who's to say if we get another John Wick or not? You know, considering how four ended, but like, listen, well, they've kind they're of still come going. out and said like some things that kind of allude to the fact that like that ending's bullshit, which obviously everyone thinks it is, anyways. But, but I don't know. Tom Cruise unmatched. That's all I have to say. Yes. All right. The man, the myth, the legend. Well, on that note. I think we can go ahead and cap off this episode of the Sin Rivals and Real Views podcast with this part <laughs> two. Uh, before we go, we'll do our usual Sin Rivals thing where I'm gonna put you guys all on the spot with a recommendation. No, I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna oh, drop. Fuck. I'm gonna drop mine real quick, and that's the uh, Netflix animated movie Nimona. Pretty damn good. Very uh, another win in the department of animation for Netflix. I think. Them picking up, basically coming in and scooping up this movie that Blue Sky Studio was making and uh, that Disney basically dumped and was like, we'll finish it and we'll like stay true to the narrative that they want to tell and basically tell this really like well done story about 
xenophobia essentially and uh combine it with this crazy futuristic medieval fantasy sci-fi animated movie that's also pretty freaking hilarious with a lot of voice actors that were like not chosen because they're the most famous names but because they truly fit the roles so really enjoyed that one i loved nimona i thought that was excellent i second that opinion who goes next i forgot what it is again just what a recommendation just of something, something, something you watched I'll go because that changed has time. Uh, I watched uh, JFK for the first time, the Oliver Stone movie. Um, oh, where, yeah, well, so uh, this is Kevin Costner um, as uh, Jim Garrison, who is trying to prove that there was more than one killer of uh, John F. Kennedy. Like there was more than one person who helped in the assassination. And I think that's kind of bullshit. But man, if this movie isn't convincing, I don't know what is. Like, you know, I'm not really one for. Conspiracy there was theory, a second shooter but, on the grassy knoll. But I was like, I was kind of riveted. Like, they kept going and going. I'm like, are they making points? Like, what, what's going on? Um, And it's, like, nearly three hours of just, like, these really intense conversations and, like, flashbacks of, like, what might have happened. Um, And I just found it riveting. Um, I'm not a big Oliver Stone guy, but I don't know. This is easily the best I've seen from him. Um, And I've heard Oppenheimer is supposed to be similar in uh, a certain sense, so that makes me excited. There was but, a second bomb! There was a second bomb! Oh, my God! <laughs> Um, but I don't know. JFK, really good. I liked it a lot. Um, so the last good thing I watched was Dead Reckoning. Um, there's other bad things that I watched, so I don't, I don't know. Just, just, I just guess go watch Man, Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah, Oppenheimer. Um, you guys can't see, but I'm wearing my shirt, uh, the Barbenheimer, um, shirt. So we are ready. Um. But yeah, watch Oppenheimer. It's gonna be great. God, I hope you hate it. You're, you're you know, already it's... you're already out here endorsing a movie you've never fucking seen. Uh, well, what I'm gonna it's do the way we like to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little twist here because I I know I'm gonna recommend this. No one's never gonna watch this, so I'm just gonna tell you the ending because it really fucked with me. How uh, well, yeah. Well, I just it's been out since 2001. Very hard to find streaming. Um. But it's been on my list for a while. It stars Jack Nicholson. It's called The Pledge. And okay. this is, he plays a retired detective who promises this girl he's going to find the killer. And long story short, they catch the killer. They thought they had. He kills himself. And then he spends his next couple of years like thinking, well, great, the guy's not dead. Like, I know he's still out there. And he finds clues that proves it. And the audience catches on that this guy is still out there. So he, Basically lives inside this small town where the killer's at, trying to find the guy. And then he uses this woman that he falls in love with's daughter to stage a steam operation for the killer to come and kidnap her, but to bust the killer. Along the way, the killer is killed in a car accident. There's no but, fucking chance I'm following at Nicholson, this point. Jack Nicholson like, <laughs> is still out there. So he ruins his reputation, the relationship he had with this woman, the, the place that he set up, and it cuts to like him being a drunk. Like he he completely lost his mind because he still thinks the killer is alive. When we all know that the guy's dead, it, it was fucking dark. Like I get the whole you know the killer and the killer, like that sort is wild. But for him to like think that the guy's still out there and no one to determine that there was a car accident with the killer was fucking wild. Just insane shit. Like Damn. he lived in your mind like that. It's insane. Just insane. I I got nothing. And Sean Penn directed it. You know. 
The best recommendation is one where you don't actually have to watch the thing that's recommended. <laughs> what I'm saying, I'm just giving it so. So on that note, folks, we will leave you and uh, see you next week. Hopefully we get these episodes out in a timely manner. And remember, if you want to hear the first half of this conversation, you go over to the Real Views podcast, anywhere podcasts are found, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. And then you come back to us and you listen to the Real Views podcast. Or, uh, sorry, the Center Rivals podcast. Oh, yeah. I don't need to uh, Both of them. Who knows? But uh, with that <laughs> note, we will say bye.